Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wetland. This is episode 60, Lessons Learned, an interview with Andy Platts from Mead and Hunt. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. Today, I am so excited to share with you and to welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast, Andy Platts. And Andy is the president and CEO of Meet and Hunt, and he's going to tell you a little bit about the organization, but what I can tell you is that he has been a part of this organization for over 36 years, which I think is phenomenal, Andy. And something I learned yesterday by stalking you on social media is that you and I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison the exact same years. Again, Andy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of this podcast and welcome. Thank you, Cindy. Looking forward to it. So you participate in all the leadership sessions that are conducted at Mead and Hunt. That's how I first got a chance to meet you. You help to kick off those sessions. You help provide input and come to the graduation. So I'm really curious, when you think about leadership, what is a quality that you really admire in others? And tell me what that would be. That's a tough question. A quality. I'm going to give you qualities because I okay. think it's a... Just you know, I, I see a lot of people in different business lines and different industries, along with their own. And as I work my way through through our own organization, you see some things of leaders that you admire and things you don't want to be, right? And that's how yeah. you learn. But I, I think um, first and foremost is transparency. I think mm -hmm. uh, I see people that are very very transparent, and I think transparency at other parts of it. I mean, being you know showing humility, having good composure, I think is an attribute that I really admire. Um, optimism. I'm a very optimistic person and I've never shied away from that. And I think that drives energy and drives organizations forward for sure. And I think that's part of being fun to be around. I think it's, you know, it's yeah. always fun to be around people that are, have some energy in them and, and like to look forward. And and I think the other thing, it's interesting. We see some leaders in different factions is some leaders have incredible drive, um, mm. incredible drive and in good yeah. times and bad. And you see some people that really hit some real um, low points in their career, but they drive through it. That's yeah. not for everybody. I don't think that is a absolute critical need, but it is something when I see someone who's got some incredible drive to kind of drive through some tough times and stay optimistic is a, is a great quality, but not everybody yeah. has that. But I think the others are all critical. When I think of a good leader, bundle all those together, that'd yeah. be pretty, that'd be a Superman leader. Yes, it's you. 
<laughs> the first <laughs> time I met that. you. Yeah, I don't know, Andy. The very first time I met you, and this takes me back a few years, we were kicking off a train the trainer for people that were sponsoring a leadership program. And we were at a local restaurant and you came in. I didn't know who you were. And you walked up to the table and you're like, hi, everybody. What are what are we doing? What are we doing? Okay, what are we drinking? What kind of wine are we having? What kind of appetizers do we have? And I, and I thought, please, please, whoever this guy is, sit next to me. I wanted to be next to you. I was like, this guy is so cool. Your energy came across to me. And I'm like, this is the president of Mean Hunt? Like, really? That energy shines through, I think, in everything you do. And absolutely, that was one of the first things I noticed about you. Oh, thank you, sister. So, so the proof is that even a nerdy engineer can be cool. That's a, right. a takeaway from your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And project that kind of energy outwardly, which I thought it was awesome. I have a follow-up question. Do you, the first thing you said was transparency. And this is something I do hear from a lot of leaders is how can you be transparent and where should you be transparent without oversharing information? Or you think about all the changes that have gone on in the economy and in industries in the last couple of years. It's been very stressful and very tense. So how do you balance, Andy, transparency with not freaking everybody out, like by giving them too much information or sharing too much? And what would be your advice for people about that? That's a really good question, because during the last two years with COVID, it certainly has been a, a challenge, right? Yeah. All settled and stable, yet you want to give them a lot of information. I think the bottom line when I see transparency is, you know, you want to put yourself in their shoes. What are they looking to hear? What's going to make them feel comfortable at the end of the meeting or at the end of the session that will go back to their homes and families and spouses if they're feeling like they've had enough information? And that's yeah. what I usually do. I say, what, what do they think they need to hear at what level of detail to make them feel content without yeah. over oversharing and overdoing it? And sometimes, you know, the information is not quite baked yet. The decision hasn't been made or the situation yeah. hasn't been really figured out yet. So I don't go into the If we don't know, we just don't know when I say that versus conjecturing what I think might happen. Quite often, yeah. the conjecturing is what causes stress in people because you think this might happen. So people get worried about that. And if there's things you can't control, why talk about it? Let's just, let's so yeah. I think letting people know you have a plan, letting people yeah. know you're listening, those are all critical, but you don't yeah. have to have a solution for every single call and um, overdo the detailed level. Yeah. Well, and so what I heard was have a plan, listen to what people are saying, try to recognize what you believe they want to hear or need to hear without freaking out, <laughs> and then try to minimize the conjecture or speculation by telling right. people when you do or don't yep. know something. Okay, I love it. I think and that's I think, great And advice. I think frequent sound bites too, you know, instead of yeah. trying to pack it all into one big meeting, you know, we during COVID, we were meeting every week, all company meetings every week for quite some time until we felt yeah. people were feeling more comfortable and they went to every two weeks. And that's a lot yeah. of people, 900 plus people on calls every week. Yeah. We thought it needed to be done to give them some sense of stability during that time. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. Great advice, which flows into my second question for you. And you know that a primary focus for me is leadership. So I'm always trying to capture leadership best practices and lessons and pitfalls, all those good things. So as you think about leadership, and you've had a chance to lead this large organization now for many years, what do you think it takes to be a great leader? First and foremost, really know who you are and who mm -hmm. you aren't, right? And that doing enough assessments and having coaches around you, getting really honest feedback from those activities to really understand. And not none of us, none of us are perfect. None of us have all those qualities I mentioned earlier. So you got to figure, what are you really good at? What do you struggle with? And also, what are you good at during good times? And what are you good at during bad times? 
Mm-hmm. You can be a good leader and all of a sudden things turn bad and slip back to some bad tendencies. So recognizing yeah. who you are, how you react has to happen. Um, otherwise, you're just going to fail. People are going to look at you and you're an unstable uh, leader for sure at, at best. Yeah. I think secondly, balance and composure. I mean, just, you know, you don't want to ex- overexcite any organization. So I think showing some balance and composure. And then thirdly, changing your pace to fit the situation. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. different personalities you're talking to, whether it be a client or employee. And understanding the speed of the response is needed, the pace of the decision, and also just the overall conversation it has to vary by individual. So knowing your audience is another way of saying it, um, yeah. I think makes a big difference too. So just being aware. Learned a word that I learned in my presence. Mm-hmm. The power of presence. And I wasn't overly good at present in my early years, for sure. I was always moving and maybe going too fast. So being present kind of sums a lot of that up, is being yeah. aware and being present surroundings. Yeah. And also being present near yourself. Yeah. I would love to ask you a couple follow-up questions. And you say this a lot in leadership session kickoffs um, about knowing yourself and the, the value of self-awareness and understanding what you're good at. So when you look at aspiring leaders or people who are early on in their career, what advice would you give them to learn that quickly? Because I think that kind of self-awareness is very helpful and it allows you to be present, as you said, and allows you to change the situation. But how would you advocate or recommend people learn that? Because that's hard, right? It's yep. So how, how do you do that? I, I was a not good at this and I, and I learned why. I think number one, you got to take your mask off and be vulnerable. I think mm. all of us try to put up a front to be whatever, maybe that we're not. And so I think early on in your career, while you have time, take advantage, just to, you know, be vulnerable, ask for input. Sometimes you ask several times for input because sometimes people aren't really good at giving you input. And yeah. then have those, those, those discussions with peers, supervisors, outside of work too, family, friends, et cetera, and just get some sense yeah. of what, what, that, uh, what things you could do better in, in, your, in your life. And strive. And if you get a chance, I mean, get into leadership training, you know, get some, get some coaching, do some assessments. Those assessments are incredible. And sometimes you look at the assessments and you may not like what you see. Sometimes you might like what you see, but probably there's going to be a surprise in those assessments and you're not going to really realize that there's something around what you're doing that's probably not what you thought it was going to be. So then then work. Then you got to work on it. I mean, knowing the weaknesses is part of it. Then you need to really work on it. And that's not an overnight deal. Um, And if you're young in your career and you want to move into leadership positions and everyone should want to do that, take time when you're young to learn. So by the time you get to those positions, you're in a good spot. Yeah. And I do have a chance to work with a lot of engineers and I have over my, you know, last 20 years and I have two older siblings who are also engineers. What I know about engineers, and I'll make a generalization, but I think it might be a little accurate, is that they have a hard time being vulnerable because an engineer is like, we have a problem, here's a solution, and here's a good solution because I've already thought it through and I've looked at all the different aspects of it. And so vulnerability, I think, is like, I don't know the answer. I don't know. I'm going to just expose myself or my thoughts. And that sometimes I think feels like weakness or exposure in a way that's uncomfortable comfortable. How did you get over that? School hard knocks, maybe. Huh? I, yeah. <laughs> I think it was re- uh, drip by drip. It was it was a repetitive conversations when I was hearing the same thing. You know, it's okay, okay. to kind of let your guard down a little bit and not, and you're right, engineers, it's not just engineers, a lot of people. You put up a front, you, you don't want to show any of those weaknesses. And whether you're competing for sports or you're in business, you always want to show that front of being you know, the tough person and not show that. So 
I think it's sure. school of hard knocks. And I think when you start to recognize a couple of your weaknesses, I think that's what drives the open up to vulnerability. You say, oh, okay, now I do see I've got this thing to work on. Sure. That's step one. And meaning you have that one thing to work on. I think that's, yeah. so I think just assume that all of us have things to work on. Yeah. And yeah. and then how do you figure out what those are? And then can open yourself up a little bit and have self-confidence. I mean, that, sure. a lot of things that hold leaders back are just, everyone needs to work on self-confidence. It's a big part of being a leader. And self-confidence means you can be vulnerable yeah. and still do what you need to do and lead people. And there's nothing wrong with that. So that's, I think that's a kind of a learning curve too. But the sooner you start it in your career, the better. Because you got that many more years to kind of get through it all. Sure. It's interesting. I was working with someone this morning on a coaching call and he talked about confidence. Like, well, we got to show up confident. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. You're just confident. (laughs) But (laughs) it is a hard word to define. And as you said, I think a lot of times people would think of vulnerability as the opposite of confidence. You know, if I'm vulnerable, I'm weak. Therefore, I'm not strong. Therefore, I'm not confident. But as you said, I think realizing or recognizing, no, those actually things go together and they make you appear more confident is, I think, something that a lot of people... You know, Mm -hmm. it's like a mind-bending thing. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. The second follow-up question I have is about composure, because I do a lot of work with leaders talking about emotional intelligence and talking about self-management. And to me, that is composure and, and showing up in a way that is composed and constructive. So I'm always kind of looking for advice. You know, what advice would you share with people about how to get a handle on composure? How did you learn how to do that? Slow down for me to kind of slow down. I I talked about being present earlier, but I think slow down and don't try to overreact too quickly. You know, especially as engineers, we're we're built to solve problems and solve them quickly. And we try to get right to the solution versus kind of sitting back and listening. So I think listening, number one, Mm -hmm. taking a breath, kind of letting some time lapse between the conversations. I think that just throws composure. A, it shows you're listening and makes you not overreact too quickly to jump on it. You know, obviously not talking over people. So I think there's a time element about composure. It's just kind of settling down, listening, taking a bit of time out, and knowing you don't have to answer it if you really don't know the answer today. You can get yeah. back to people. Yeah. And I think I've heard that. I've heard really working with clients as part of it. Clients come up with some pretty tough questions at times in your first reaction. I want to solve it now and impress them and hit out of the park. You'll do more damage with the wrong answer, the wrong solution versus yeah. just record it, listen, really understand that and then get back to people. And I think if you do that in a large group setting at a leader, it just puts more of a calm mm-hmm. around you, which kind of settles down the audience at the same time. Yeah. So I think that's been a lot of it. It's more about timing uh, and also facial expressions. I mean, reactions. Right. If you people are talking to you and you're especially on video with today's world, then you got to be yeah. really careful about the flinches and the eye rolls. Yeah. They're, they're recorded. So you got to be careful of what that looks like. Absolutely. That's that's great. All right. Thank you for that. Because I think that's something a lot of people are challenged to do and and also projecting that calm demeanor, the thoughtful demeanor, as you said, the listening, the pausing, the be, the not feeling the need to solve a problem right away or to react right away, I think is something that many of us struggle with because that's what we are wired to believe. In the fast-paced world today, that's what we think everybody expects is just do it fast, get it done fast, get the thing off the list. Right, right. right. 
Okay. So the three things I heard about what it takes to be a great leader are one, um, know who you are and know who you are in good times and challenging times. Two, have balance and composure. And three, really understanding the pace that is required in different situations, whether that is kind of knowing your audience, being present and being aware of timing. So I, I kind of think of that too as situational awareness and responding mm -hmm. appropriately. Anything I missed? I think you captured it. That's great. All right. Fantastic. So now, and I am excited to hear the answer to this question because we all face challenges. And I know that you have had some in your large organizations because of the nature of your work and the COVID and all of that. So what is the biggest challenge that you're currently facing in your career and how are you overcoming it? Hmm. That's a great question. I think over the past two years, particularly, uh, we've seen a challenge with COVID and what's done to how we do our daily work and our lives and the change around. I think what, what, what has come out of that is how many varying opinions there are on every subject and how you work through that. As a firm of a thousand people, of a country of millions and the worldwide, you've seen a lot of varying opinions, a lot of issues, probably more than we've ever seen in the past couple of years. And mm -hmm. how do you capture all of that? So what I focus on our team of a thousand people clearly see it. And I think it's the transparency. If we go back to that for a second, A is because we look for transparency and ask for it, you're going to get a lot of wide <laughs> variety of opinions. Yes. And so the challenge that you're asking is how do you work with that? How do you satisfy all parties the best you can, educate them, bring them in alignment so as a company you're moving forward the right direction? And I think we've done a superb job the last two years of doing that and keeping people. But it is, it, it's probably more prevalent now than it was, say, pre-COVID. There's just a lot more issues out there right now and a lot of bifurcation and what people's expectations are and thoughts, whether it be political or otherwise. So working sure. through all of that and in this new post-COVID world, we'll call it that, what that looks like and how do you just keep everybody engaged and alignment and happy, understanding they're not all going to agree. And yeah. Or will the rest of the country or the world? Um, you got to kind of work through that. And a lot of it's educating all of them, educating mm -hmm. both sides, educating everybody on what everyone's thoughts are and getting people to understand that it's okay to have different opinions and thoughts. But as a leader, you have to orchestrate that. You have to orchestrate those conversations to help people self-educate everybody. So at the end of the day, they may not agree with you, but you're still a good working partner, still a good friend, whatever it is, and we can get through this together. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge the last couple of years, and I would say going forward, is going to continue is kind of how do you orchestrate that, those, those conversations. Yeah. It, it is interesting because when I, whenever I teach people about collaboration, and as you, as you're kind of bringing people together, as, as you're talking about, one of the biggest challenges with collaboration is the conflict, inherent conflict in it, right? If we're going to collaborate, it means we're all going towards something together and as you said, transparency then brings to the open and to the surface all the disagreements. Like, this is my opinion, this is my opinion. And I think the ability to listen to those, to respect and honor them, and to still get people aligned is right. a significant challenge to do, but also a really great practice because then you have those thousand people who still get to be themselves themselves 
and they get to honor who they are and their opinions, and yet they're united in the direction they're going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so hard to do, Andy. <laughs> so, so you know, again, I, it kind of blows my mind that you, when you talk like that, because I think of a thousand people heading together and everyone gets to be themselves. How do you do that? Like, how do you do it? Because I know you're a good listener. I know you're transparent and you talked about education, but how, is there any other secret that you could yeah, share? I think that? You, you want to show them the end game. You want to show them that collectively. I mean, okay. the value of having varying opinions is a fosters innovation, fosters new ways of doing things. At the end of the day, at least our team, we're an employee-owned company. We all have the same end game, which would mean you know, having a stable work environment, passing this for a amount of the next generation is, you know, whatever mantra is. And yeah. that's that's how we focus. So at the end of the day, if it's all if it's the best interest of the company as a whole, yeah, we're gonna you all may get there different ways. That's absolutely fine. But also the value of these different opinions, and whether it be about diversity, whether it be about um, innovation, technology, whatever, the value of all those positions, all those different opinions going forward is going to further the organization. Yeah. I think most people get that. The path will be different. Yeah. How you get there, but the point is the end game is is the same. So long as they have the same common goal, they don't have mm -hmm. the same common goal. You got some other challenges because that sure. that's going to be a disconnect. Um, but I think, and that's that's how we look at it. We look at it. What is at a five or ten thousand foot level? Where should they all be kind of pointing to, and then we kind of help them get there. And then you're going to have some people that are going to be, we'll call them strays that may, maybe need more help and more one on one discussions. But if you can get the sure. bulk of the group going the right direction, you can kind of work with the others to kind of get them in the fray. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, walk through it. So, but it, it's not easy for sure. And every firm yeah. that I know of is going through something like that, probably always will, but that's the challenge of being a leader. Yeah. Well, and I love it. To your point too, when there is clarity about what that common goal is, what the vision is, what our purpose is, where are we going? You create a strong case for let's all get there. <laughs> you know, as you yep. said, the path might be different for all of us, but how do we all keep going in the same direction? And I think that's a great way to visualize how to make this happen. And you also said thinking about this organization, it's employee owned, and how do we leave it in a good place for future and future generations. That is my next question is, you know, when you think about your life and how you'd like to be remembered, what do you want to be remembered for? What are some of the things that are important to you? I, I think from, from our, it'd be as much about work as, as much about personal. I would combine the two things together at the end of the day, whether just a good friend or a neighbor or a work associate. I think it's someone who, when you, when you, when you think about myself, I would hope that they look at there, there is a value of working hard. And starting from maybe scratch and working way, working hard and showing that. We talked about humility, optimism. I think those two things that, you know, Andy's an optimistic person. Certainly some humor along the way. They will talk about that, which I think was should always be part of it. But bottom line is, what did that role model do to help elevate those people's lives? Whether yeah. it be elevating them as a mean employee and having them move up in leadership roles and being an owner of the company or as a friend or a neighbor going to make a difference in their lives by kind of showing them a different way to be or help improve them. So if I do that, it won't be a stadium named after me. It won't be a statue in downtown <laughs> Madison probably, but uh, I would hope that the softer side of it would be remembered and, yeah. and that would be success if something like that came out. What a great goal and a great purpose. And I think what I love about what you just said, too, is the inspiration doesn't have to be a stadium. It doesn't have to be a statue. It doesn't have. But knowing that you played a part in 
so many people's lives, and you already have, and you are, and you've been a part of this organization for so many years and have been also leading it for a period of time. And I think that is a wonderful goal and a, and a noble one as well. So I named my company Intentional Leaders because I believe in that kind of purposeful leadership, that you're doing something and leading people to make a difference. And as you said, whether that's your neighbors, the people you work with, the people in your family, that it matters, right? That what you do say and how you show up matters. And I really do love that about you. I really do. And admire it. So stadium would be kind of cool. I'm just saying. It would be. (laughs) We can see what we can do. How about a hot dog stand or something? <laughs> Let's start probably, small and work our way up. Probably more fitting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's a question for you. You've been a part of Meet and Hunt for 37 years, right? Is there anything that people don't know about Andy Platt? Are there any secrets? You know, I don't think there are. I'm about as transparent a person. <laughs> <laughs> Do people know, though, like, like, what will you not eat that you'll just be totally like, nope, I'm not eating that thing? Uh, there is none of that because I'll eat anything. Um, very, okay. very wide palate. Do you get hangry? No, not really. Okay. No, all right. No, it's all good there. Okay. Um, I, yeah, so every new employee that starts with meat and hunt, I meet with personally and, and we do that as part of the orientation. And we talk a lot, a lot about it. We talk about my hobbies and family and blah, blah, blah. And, I'm, and that, I just got off of a 15-minute conference call with another 15 new employees that came on board a little bit ago. And same thing, same topic. So I'm, I think early on, I just put people at ease. It's I'm just a regular guy, right? Yeah. I got hobbies and things that I do good and some things I'm really bad at. And I'm bad at golf and I'm good at other things. So I mean, <laughs> it's and I'm not afraid to talk about that. So I I don't think there's a, the book with me is pretty wide open. I mean, got a lot of great hobbies. I love to run. I do things with outdoors, dogs, I fish and do a lot of things that Midwestern folks do. And yeah. uh, so I enjoy life in a big way outside and lots. I have more hobbies than a guy should have for sure. I'm not <laughs> good at any of them, but I have a lot of good hobbies. But, uh, <laughs> okay. What is too much in terms of hobbies? Just trying to not, not have enough time in a week or weekend to, to do them all right. And okay. So, uh, <laughs> so no, it, it just kind of keeps me. I, I, like, I, I like a wide variety of things. And that's what gives me involved with a lot of our people. So I don't think there is any hot secrets that I'm aware of. Check with my wife tonight, but I'm pretty sure there are. Right. <laughs> you can phone me later. Right. Here's what she said. Yeah. And a lot of friends, you know, I've, I've many or longer than I have and clients too. A lot are, a lot are just good friends. So mm-hmm. as you're good friends with employees and I don't keep that separate. I mean, that's CEO. Yeah. And I'm also a good friend and clients, the same thing. You tend to know each other pretty well and share thoughts. And so that's all part of the deal. Yeah. So. Any challenges with, with those boundaries, being friends and colleagues and associates and a boss? No, I mean, you got, you got, I mean, the bigger the organization, the easier it is. The smaller organization is tougher. Just understanding there are boundaries. Yeah. There. Boundaries can be tough. Maintain professionalism, but at all, at all points, and that's a little bit of that. But no, I think if, if you would smart, it's all good. And, and you should. I mean, yeah. life's too short and you spend a lot of time at work, right? And so you yeah. spend a lot of time at work. So you ought to have good friends that you have met through work and spent time with them off work hours. And that shouldn't be a challenge for people. But I mean, again, being transparent and being around people, you know, keep their professionalism up across the board. You can always be a goofball. That's fine. But uh, be a professional (laughs) goofball. How's that? I think that's why I immediately gravitated towards you (laughs) because of the energy. I'm like, oh, he likes to laugh. Oh, good. Oh, and I think he drinks wine. Excellent. (laughs) Like, again, please sit by me. I want to hang out with this person. I think he's fun. All right. When you think about Mead and Hunt, is there anything that you want? Because some of the people listening to this podcast don't know a lot about Mead and Hunt, and hopefully they'll go search it out. What do you want people to know about your organization that you think is really cool? 
I'll put it in Cindy's world. It's, very, it's a very cool organization, right? It is. I'm not, I mean, I, you know, 37 years, as you said. In fact, it's 37 years, two months. So, yeah. reason, not because I'm a bad interviewer, I can't write a resume. I, I think it, it's just a really cool place. It is a cool place. You know, I, I think no matter where you go, you know, focus on the people and the culture as you look at mm-hmm. different organizations like Mead and Hunt or others in your career. You know, I think that's an important thing. That's what really stuck me around us. I always looked at the future and what, what opportunities I was given. And with this firm, we still do it. And we're, we're a firm yeah. that supports employees, not yes. employees supporting, kind of flip things around a little bit. And I think that's what this firm's always done. Support you along your career path. There are lots of different ways to make a living. And I think our job is here to make it a career, not just a yeah. job. And so if you're ever looking for a great technical area, I mean, it'd be HR, finance, IT, whether it be engineering, architecture, whatever, all those types of areas that we employ. But we do it in a way that we really want to support a long-term career. And they're all varying markets, varying initiatives that people get involved in. So it's a cool time for people to be in the business. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, certainly give us a ring and we'd love to talk with you. But the yeah. important thing is whatever your journey is, whatever ever firm, you know, look, really study the culture, really study the firm leadership and kind of where they're taking the firm. I'd be more concerned in the early age of that versus the technical area because you mm-hmm. want to get with the right culture. And there are plenty of great firms out there, a lot, a lot of great leaders out there and plenty of great firms. So it'd be a fun time for anyone entering the industry or that can move around the industry. Yeah, you bet. And I can't remember, I think it's been three or four years that I've been working with Maiden Hunt. And I, I was thinking back as you were saying that I don't ever remember an encounter in which anyone I've worked with has said something negative about Mead and Hunt. I stare. That says a lot. I mean, because we get in classes where people have to be really vulnerable about their challenges and about this and that. And I do not hear people bad-mouthing the organization. It's people who, you know, enjoy being a part of this, want to be a part of it. There's always challenges, as you said, with, you know, work and life and sometimes challenging clients or projects or being kind of overextended for periods of time, because that happens to all of us, regardless of the industry you're in. Um, But universally, I hear such positive things. And for me, really rewarding to be a part of your leadership programs, because I get to help tool people that are really committed to what they're doing and committed to the culture and committed to the organization and very much committed to each other. Um, And that says a lot about the culture, as you said, and also, Andy, your leadership. So that makes a big difference. Feelings mutual. You do do a great job with our team and you've made a big impact in our organization. Honored to be here. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Andy. I appreciate you taking time out of what I know is a very busy schedule to have this conversation and share your thoughts uh, for people that are either current leaders, their future leaders, and also people that are looking for clarity and focus and direction and ideas. So I appreciate all the thoughts and the preparation for you to come here and to share those messages with people today. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was fun and hopefully it makes a difference. So thank you. It will. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to my inaugural Lessons Learned episode with Andy. Isn't he a super cool guy? And next time I am going to tackle that topic of using the six thinking hats. You're going to love this technique. It will foster collaboration. And Andy mentioned that's one thing that's super important to get the organization aligned. 